In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Thanks for being with us. It's another edition of the Retirement Pathfinder. Great podcast for you if you are nearing retirement, already retired, thinking about your retirement future, and you've got any kinds of questions, well, we'll probably have answers for you on today's program. We've got another mailbag edition of the show on the way where we answer lots of your questions on the show. So if you've got questions that you want answered on here as well, send us an email, contact us through the website, pathfinderwealth.com, and we might feature your question on a future show. Let's introduce you to the great voices of today's program. I am Walter Storholt, but we're joined by retirement income planning specialists, Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane at Pathfinder Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Rockford area. And Barbara and Phil, great to have you both along with us again today. All set for the show? We are. Absolutely. Good to be here. Good Excellent. to see you, Walter. Looking forward to the program. I've got uh, I've got pollen head today, by the way, as we uh, <laughs> host the program. So forgive my nasaliness. You know, my I like to say, you know, my voice is my instrument. Well, it's a little out of tune today. So just uh, bear, <laughs> bear with me. But well, we'll, we'll help you, Walter. We'll let you guys make the beautiful music today when it uh, comes to <laughs> answering these great questions. So we've got four, four questions on the docket. And uh, Lou is going to start us off with a really good question question about taxes, something that's been on a lot of our minds probably over the last couple of months as we were preparing tax returns as we're recording today's episode right there at the end of tax season. Lou says, I've always assumed that I'll be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, but now I'm questioning whether or not that's true. What do you guys normally see? Oh, okay. I'll take that one, Walter. Not typically, Lou, because the, the thresholds, which stayed the same after the Tax Cuts and Job Act last year, they allow for a lot of income to be taxed at the same level. For instance, if you're married filing jointly, you've got between $78,000 and $168,000 of income for your marginal rate to still be about 22%. But I see clients that are not in a lower bracket. But let's say you start out in a lower bracket, and then what happens when taxes increase? So the question, Lou, is do you think taxes will increase? Most people assume they will. So it's not so much about where taxes are now because we are in a low taxing environment, but where do you think they're headed in the future? So a couple tax tips if you think that taxes will increase. We do a lot of tax savings planning for our clients. So what you're doing is you're paying today at a lower rate and you're reducing that those IRA values before you require the minimum distribution stage at 70 and a half. So as you age, your required distribution increases, whereby around 88, about age 88 to 89, that requirement is about 9% to withdraw versus about 3.6% at age 70 and a half. So if you can reduce that taxable burden now, over time, it could be your benefit to do so. But by that, you look at Roth IRAs. So converting to a Roth IRA is what I mean. Now, you can't contribute to a Roth without earned income, but you can convert your current plan over a period of years, and you can do that at any time. So the perfect age for doing this is 59 and a half to 70 and a half. And by the way, once you start your required distributions at 70 and a half, you cannot convert a required minimum distribution to a Roth. So, for example, if your requirement is $10,000, you cannot convert that $10,000, but if you withdraw $20,000, you could convert above the requirement. So, you could convert the additional $10,000. 
So it's really about doing tax planning now because the assumption is, at least for what we assume, taxes will increase in the future. So hope that answers your question, Lou. Yeah, let me add something to that too, Barb. And, uh, you know, there's a larger question here that uh, needs to be answered. And typically what we'll see is we'll see folks that will come into our office. And one of the big questions we ask right up front is, has your current advisor done any tax planning for you? Have they even looked at your tax return? And nine out of 10 times, they haven't. And that's a very important part of the puzzle that has to be filled up. I don't know why, but I, I have a feeling that many advisors kind of push the whole issue of tax advice off to a tax preparer person or a CPA. They're just not really accustomed to giving tax analysis and looking at the whole picture of their tax program. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, that is a huge part of the planning process because taxes are one of the major components that will really work against that person accumulating and maintaining their wealth in retirement. So we always encourage people to come into the office and bring their tax return with them. That's one of the first things we take a look at. And quite frankly, that's one of the biggest fears people have is paying too much in tax. As a follow-up. Retirement unknown. Yeah. As a follow-up to that, guys, what about... I was talking, interestingly, about this with a family member uh, just the other day. We were kind of having that same discussion. We were looking at the Social Security, you know, statements that come to us this time of year and, you know, look up on ssa.gov about what your estimated payout's going to be. And and it just led to these kinds of conversations. And so we were talking about, okay, the 401k is your largest, you know, asset at this point, your largest piece of the portfolio. Have you thought about, you know, taking advantage of the lower tax rates right now? And it was interesting because their assumed response was, well, I don't, well, I don't have enough money to really worry about all that tax maneuvering. That's only for kind of the ultra wealthy to do these kinds of moves. And I just thought that was interesting that that was the assumed idea that I can't take advantage of the low tax rates because it's it's only going to benefit, you know, somebody who's got a lot of money to work with. Anything I would do just would be on such a small scale. It's not going to be worth the hassle of going through it. Is there any truth to that? Is there a certain threshold where this tax planning mentality is really helpful for folks? Well, let me let me address that one, Walter, because the latest Tax Reduction Act of 2017 has put people, the majority of people in a position to really gain some additional tax planning opportunities. And the way it, it happens is that they've doubled the standard deduction. And so that means that 85% of people that were filing a Schedule A before no longer have to do that. And they've actually gotten a tremendous gift from the government. Because if they were, let's say, taking a deduction uh, at $13,000, you know, that forced them to go ahead and, and use a Schedule A. Well, right now, if they have the same $13,000 of deductions, they don't have to file a Schedule A. They automatically increase that to $24,000. It's a huge gift. So it does give that person in the middle to lower income brackets a tremendous advantage. They're missing out on that opportunity if they don't realize that, Walter. So it's not, you know, not just a too, method for the ultra rich. Yeah. Go, go ahead, Barbara. It's no, not. it's not. I was going to say, too, to add to that, you know, when people look at their retirement accounts, you know, they look at this big account size, whether they think it's big or small, but take a third of that off because there's a silent partner to that right now if it's pre-tax dollars, and that's the IRS. So you can do things to reduce that burden now because, let's face it, I think whether it's now or in the near future or distant future, 30 years down the road for the expectation of people being in retirement, taxes are going to increase. 
Good question, Lou. Thanks for sparking some good conversation there. A lower tax bracket in retirement, not a given like maybe it was in the past. Don't just assume that financial kind of ideal is going to apply to you. And thanks, uh, Barbara and Phil, for the follow-up answers there as well. Murray's got a question for us. Oh, and you guys are going to love this one. Murray says, the market has to crash soon. I put it in such dramatic statement because he he put it in italics, the has. He has to crash. It just has to. Am I wrong about that? Well, I'll take that one on, Walter. You know, it kind of reminds me of that that movie Airplane, you know, where little Johnny is running around the... (laughs) The, uh, you know, the office uh, talking about the next crisis that's happening at the airport. Well, it sounds like someone has some legitimate concerns. And, you know, recently I heard a radio commercial and the announcer actually said this. He said, experts are predicting a market crash any day now. Mm-hmm. So call and we can help you avoid losing thousands of dollars like what happened in 2008. Don't let your account get wiped out. Call now. Of course, you know, these folks are, are really using a very unethical scare tactic to entice people to switch from where they are to buy whatever they're promoting, whether it's gold or silver or annuities or even life insurance is being promoted. Now, there's nothing wrong with those particular financial instruments in and of themselves, but to use a scare tactic like they did is, is really totally wrong. So let's talk about a market crash. You know, could one occur? Of course. But I would like to know why Murray thinks that one will happen now and why, because it's totally unpredictable. You know, here's the definition of a market crash. It's a sudden dramatic decline in stock prices across a significant section of the stock market, resulting in a significant loss of paper wealth. Now, notice I emphasized paper wealth because it's on paper. So crashes are driven by panic as much as they are the underlying economic factors, often followed by speculation and what we call stock market bubbles. And uh, these bubbles occurred in times like 1987. There was something called Black Monday. I think maybe people that are older really remember that particular time where the market dropped 31% in one day. But that was caused by what we call programming errors. The NASDAQ had put in place a trading apparatus that didn't work very well. And for 54 minutes of that day, trading halted. And when you can't liquidate stocks on the market, it puts in the minds of those people that are doing the actual trading, a huge red flag. Can we sell stock? Is there anybody on the other end to buy it? And so when the markets opened up again, there was a panic that caused the market to drop by that much. Of course, by the end of the year, the market 1987 made more money than when when they started. In 2000, 2000, 2002, there was another problem. That was the technology bubble. Again, another bubble that burst. And uh, so that was caused by, uh, by technology stocks and it created a huge panic in the market. Of course, it did return as time went on. And then again, in 2008, you know, we had the problem with subprime lending. That really was uh, really a problem and it did affect many other industries. But these events are always followed by panic selling and there's really no impact upon the actual value of these companies. I mean, just because their stock goes down in value does not mean that their company value has decreased as well and they're in peril. And uh, the thing I want to point out is that uh, if one is properly diversified, you know, they recover from these these paper losses. The whole idea of, of panic selling kind of reminds me of, of that great Bible verse, you know, in Proverbs where it says, the sluggard says, there is a lion outside, there's a lion in the streets and I shall be killed by this lion. And so, you know, there is no need to panic. I mean, when you don't panic, you don't sell. When you don't sell, you don't lose. J.P. Morgan said this. He said, in a panic, 
And in bear markets, stocks revert back to their rightful owners. Uh, that's what I would leave you with is that, uh, you know, it's it, panic selling is just that. It's panic barble, but you add to that. It's a good time to buy. <laughs> it's a good time to buy <laughs> but, in a panic, right? Um, you know, what I think about is 2009 when the stock market crashed in 2008, bottoms out in March of 2009, we still had people that bailing out of the stock market for a couple years later. So they've missed this entire run. But I agree, Phil, it's kind of attributable to the crystal ball view that the three traps are individual stock picking, market timing, track record investing, no one knows. So choose a diversified portfolio and just stay the course. Yeah, what I would add to that too, it's interesting that if you look at the, the bottom of the stock market went down in 2008 and 2009, from that point to now, and this is just the Dow, these are large cap stocks, Barb, mm -hmm. uh, we've had an average return of 15.5% per year. In 10 years. In 10 years. It's a 10-year anniversary that we just went through you know, in March. And so from the bottom to the top, it's averaged 15.5% per year. Unbelievable. You know, does that say something about you know, the strength of the market, the strength of the U.S. economy? It, it's just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of wisdom in those answers. And I was really hoping I'd be able to slip a quote from, since you opened the door, uh, from Johnny and Airplane, you know, into the yeah, conversation. Yeah. I didn't find a natural place to do it. So at the end, we'll just say bad news. The fog is getting thicker. And Leon is getting larger. One of my favorite parts of Airplane. That's good. I had to slip Great it in. It, it has no application to what we just talked about, but uh, yeah. you, you, got my, you got my mind on it. I couldn't get off it. So I know. <laughs> Entertainment factor is important. Yes. But there you go. Great question, Murray. Thank you for that one as well. Again, submit your questions online, pathfinderwealth.com. If you've got a question of your own for the team, you can always call in 815-399-9806 ask your financial questions to Phil and Barbara, and they can help get you the right answers. 815-399-9806. Got another one here from Edgar. Edgar says, do you have any book recommendations about retirement planning that would be helpful for me to read before meeting with a financial advisor? Good question, Edgar. And hats off to you for pre-planning because that's everything. Uh, yes, I do. I have a, a quick read. It's a book called Roadmap to a Stress-Free Retirement. And there's seven good lessons in there for avoiding poverty and retirement. Phil has a book. Phil has a book we had co-authored called Remarkable Retirement. We'd be happy to send you either one of those books. Now, I'll tell you that a book that neither Phil or I did author is, and it's a very good book about investing. It's also a quick read. It's called The Investment Answer. It's by Daniel Goldie and Gordon Murray. It's a very good book about the basics and simplicity of investing. And actually, that is our philosophy on investing in that book, too, in a nutshell. Now, as far as meeting with the financial advisor, I would say look for one who's holistic and independent. Holistic and independent. So holistic, I mean big picture. So they're not just investing your money. Someone who makes sure that you have an estate plan, whether that's a will or a living trust or maybe something more complex. And then protecting your estate from catastrophic illness, from nursing home, discussing what your options are and can they help you with those. Taxes, taxes are the biggest unknown expense in retirement. So do they help with tax planning strategies? And finally, the dollars, someone who is independent as an advisor and invests your money based on Nobel Prize winning research and designs a well-diversified portfolio, stays the course through ups and downs, and steer clear of investment advisory firms that are actively managed because you're paying for those trades on both sides. And it's not proven effective, by the way. So very good question. It, would be, it actually would be healthy if many more did research on investments and an advisor before they retired. 
Do you have anything to add, Phil? Yes, I do, Barb. I, you know, one of the things, again, I, I love going to the Bible, and one of the quotes there is, you know, there is wisdom in many counselors. Well, that's right. But one of the things we have to make sure of is that we have the right counselors. And you can Google the word investments today and find that there's 350 million hits that come up. So the question is, you know, what do you read? What do you absorb? Quite frankly, people can be educated beyond their intelligence where they, they kind of miss the whole point. And so, you know, I'm one of these big advocates of giving out books. I think it's important for people to become involved in their investments. We're very careful about those people that say, well, I don't understand about what you're talking about, Phil and Barb. You know, I'm just going to hand this over to you. You take care of it. I trust you. Wrong. Mm -hmm. That's not the right way to do it. I want to make sure when, I, when we go through a training process with our clients here, notice I, I said training process, we take them through coaching sessions. We give them homework assignments, and one of those homework assignments are to read these books and these articles that we provide to them because we want to make sure that they're fully informed, that they understand not only what we're doing, but what they have presently. So make an informed decision. Don't be that sluggard. Do some work. Do some research, but make sure you're getting the right type of information. So you're not saying that uh, the folks that work with you, uh, clients who come in, have to be experts by the time they're done, but you want them to be educated about their plan and have some of that knowledge and emotional investment into the plan, not just sort of a, hey, you, you do it all for me and I'm just going to you know stick my head in the sand while you do it. Well, that's exactly right, Walter. In fact, we tell people, you know, you don't need to know everything there is to know about investments to be successful as an investor, but just a few of the right things. Mm -hmm. So we want to hone in on a few of those right things that are, are really going to make a difference in their portfolio. And we talked about taxes as one, diversification is another. All very helpful information there. Yeah, thank you for sharing those resources. If you'd like to get those books that Barbara and Phil have <clears> talked about, the books that they've authored, you can get those for free. Just call in and uh, mention that you heard the podcast and would like a copy of those books, and they'll be sure to share those resources with you. 815-399-9806 is the number, 815-399-9806, or shoot a note through the website, pathfinderwealth.com. One more question here on our mailbag edition of the Retirement Pathfinder podcast. The last one comes to us from Owen. It's a bit of a long question, so bear with me. I'll try and uh, read it piece by piece here so that we get the uh, entire question. But I think it's a pretty good one. Uh, Owen says, as my wife and I get ready for retirement, we're realizing we might have way too much money tied up in rental properties and in houses that we're flipping. We only have about 20% of our money in the stock market. About a million dollars is tied up in real estate. We'd like to start selling properties and moving that money over to the stock market now. How do we go about doing that? Should we sell everything at once and move it over in one chunk, spread it out over a couple of years, keep some in real estate for diversification? What are some of the other things we should consider? Walter, I'll take that particular question. And it's a long question, but I'll give you a short answer. And that answer is probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> you know, let's attack the first and most important issues here. You know, the first rule of investing is diversify. You know, spread your risk over uh, various number of asset classes and don't suffer if one of those goes bad. And based on my personal experience with, with real estate, which I've, I have an extensive amount of experience with real estate, I find that, you know, it's very cyclical like other asset classes, and you don't want to have too much in, in any one of those properties or even in one stock or one bond or in commodities, because if you do, you stand a good chance of, of loss with no possibility of recovery, and that's a real danger area. That all being said, I would caution against moving any money from selling real estate solely into the, quote, stock market. Why? Because there are a dozen different types of stock markets. 
There's large company stocks. There's small company stocks. There's value stocks. There is uh, growth stocks. There's international large, international small, and so forth and so on. So there should also be a sizable portion of the money uh, going into short to intermediate term range bonds, which would be short-term maturity bonds. And the reason you do that is to soften those those roller coaster rides that we see in, in the stock market, whether it's in large or small. So we want to take the volatility out of the stocks. But the biggest question and the biggest issue that we're dealing with here that we need to address with Owen is that he needs to have a solid plan in place that determines how much income he and his wife will need in retirement in designing an investment strategy that will have the opportunity to provide income and have a success rate of at least 85% probability. And that's our number, 85% probability. And it's important to know, for him to know how we've accomplished that. He should give us a call at 815-399-9806 and we can address those issues. He can speak with one of our advisors and begin that long process. So that's kind of a short answer to a very long question, Walter. Barb, what do you have to add to that? <laughs> Actually, um, Owen had a lot of questions, and it seems like we should be able to answer those you know, very completely, but a lot of questions bring a lot more questions. So you're right, of course, real estate is cyclical, so what does real estate look like in your area? So right around uh, here, we've got a shortage of homes, but I was just reading recently that we're at a three-year low for home values around the nation. Yeah, there's not much in inventory right now as yeah. far as homes are concerned. Real estate is really in hot demand, exactly. But you have to look at capital gains. So what are capital gains? And maybe slowly get, you know, sell these over a period of time. But you're right. How much do you need for retirement? That's the place to start. So yeah. what are your expenses? And then that might be able to help you with how you can sell these properties over time. And I guess, Phil, as somebody who knows uh, you know, a, a thing or two about real estate as well, there's more than just the financial conversations here, too. There's that conversation about, you know, hey, we've got, you know, retirement to worry about. Do I want to keep up with all these properties and that kind of thing? So it's not just a financial question either. Exactly right, Walter. You know, it gets to the point where, you know, you don't want to get called three o'clock in the morning <laughs> by the police anymore because they're disturbance at your properties. I mean, that's right. the kind of thing that you really have to take in consideration. And you can only yeah. fix so many toilets over a period of time that, that, that aren't your own toilet, right? <laughs> well, I found out some things about real estate investing that I, I know I don't want to do. One is I never want to be a roofer. We bless those guys for doing that job or a plumber or an electrician. So there's just some things that I steer clear of, but maybe most people are are adept to doing that type of thing. Yeah, I definitely have one rule. I stay off the roof on any home improvement item that I'm working on. I, I stay away from high elevation since my middle name is accident waiting to happen. But uh, in, <laughs> good, good, good rule. In any event, great, great questions on today's show. If you've got a similar question on your mind, you don't have to ask it on the program. You can just call and have a good conversation with the great team at Pathfinder Wealth Management. Let me give you again that number. One more time to call 815 399 no cost or obligation just to call in and ask your questions or even come in for a review of your plan and just talk a little bit with Phil and Barbara and the great team about what's going on in your financial life. If you've got questions like this, they can help you find those right answers. Lots of great resources for you online as well at pathfinderwealth.com. That's pathfinderwealth.com. Barbara and Phil, thank you so much for the help on today's show. It was a lot of fun and we'll look forward to doing it again next time. Yep, see you next Thanks, time. Walter. All right, sounds great. That's Phil and Barbara. I'm Walter. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you soon on The Retirement Pathfinder.
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.